0: With Boomer Asiacin. This week's guest led U.S. track and field in five Olympic Games, world champion sprinter and hurdler, Gail Devers. Presented by GEICO.
1: Today's guest is the only track and field star, man or woman, to have won multiple Olympic or world championship gold medals in both the 100 meters and the 100 meter hurdles. And she's overcome some daunting hurdles of a different kind along her journey into both the National Track and Field Hall of Fame and the United States Olympic Hall of Fame. It is certainly my pleasure to welcome the legendary Gail Devers to Game Time. Gail, it's so great to talk to you and to meet you. How are you doing these days?
2: I'm doing pretty good, and it's an honor to be sitting with the legend, so thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. It seems like it's a very timely uh, interview at this point because we're getting ready for the Tokyo Olympics, and uh, it's usually every four years we we kind of renew our understanding of how great you were as an Olympic athlete. <laughs> I know you were amongst the many of fans that were rooting for Shikari Richardson. Uh, to go and get the gold medal for, at the 100 meters, something that hasn't been done by a woman since you did it in 1996. Uh, very disappointed that she failed the drug test because of marijuana use. What, what is your take on that whole situation surrounding her?
2: When she first won at the at the trials and made the team, she kind of let us in a little bit about her life, and she talked about you know the death of her mom, and then so when I heard about um, her failing the drug test and saying that that was what she chose to deal with to cope with, the one thing that I was impressed with was that she accepted responsibility and then she said you know i knew it was on the list of what not to do but that's what i chose so that was a decision she said you'll never it'll never happen again mm-hmm. so i look at everything as as a lesson you know i've got kids so everything becomes a lesson to me a life lesson and the lesson from that was there are consequences to your actions and if you just take that pause to breathe to say okay if i think about the consequences of my actions probably mm-hmm. half the things we do we probably wouldn't do. And, you know, it's a 30-day ban. It's a short ban. I hear people saying, oh, it's not fair, it's not fair. But it is fair when you make those
1: decisions. You know, I I love your take on it, and I loved her take on it. I I thought that she really showed uh, professionalism, poise, Uh, She owned up to it and she had to bear the consequences. I'm going to take you all the way back to your first Olympics.
2: Oh boy. I want you to
1: think (laughs) back to what that was like the first time that you stepped onto that track. And if there's any advice that today you would give yourself and these young Olympians this year for the first time, what would your advice be?
2: Um, well, mine was a little different, I guess, um, in, in in talking about my first Olympic Games, because I, I always tell people I made the Olympic Games by the grace of God. I was actually sick and didn't know that that was the start of my sickness. So for a healthy Gail Devers back when I was that young, I would, oh, same thing, enjoy it. Get out there, enjoy the moment, do what you've got to do. You've worked hard for this. You work four years. The Olympics comes around once every four years, now five years. But mm-hmm. It comes down to, depending on your event, 10, 11, 12 seconds, you know, 13 seconds of, of preparation. So you got to make the best of it. You have to put your all in it. Uh, you know, I, I mentor and coach kids and I tell them what practice is is rehearsal for the main event. And what that means is like you can't go to the bank and take out a, a withdrawal if you didn't put any in. So your, your, your practice time is deposits in the bank. So when you get there, so what, what all these athletes have been doing for these last, you know, 18 months, four years, five years is making deposits. And when they get to the Olympic Games, I want them to pull out their black card and, and spin. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the way I explain it to kids so they get it. <laughs> oh, they certainly
1: get it. That's great advice. All right, we're just getting warmed up with the great Gail Devers. Stay with us as game time continues right after this.
0: You're watching Game Time with Boomer Esiason, brought to you by Geico. Welcome back,
1: everyone, to Game Time. Gail Devers was raised in San Diego by fairly strict parents. She says the only TV show she and her older brother were permitted to watch was I Love Lucy. Now, (laughs) Gail... I Love Lucy stopped running in 1957.
2: So this was you were brought up on reruns of I Love Lucy. <laughs> Would you okay? So I Love Lucy has been on the air since it since it started in some country somewhere. We we were like the uh, well, not just I Love Lucy. That's just the one that I I fell in love with. We watched uh, old school. We were like brought up. 1960s you know that girl Bewitch, leave it to beavers people used to say oh leave it to deavers instead of leave it to beavers. so that's basically <laughs> that lets you know how i was raised but you know what it's um i think for for my parents it was like and my my dad to this day that's what, if you come in, he's watching, Bewitched, he's watching, <laughs> you know, I mean, and you know, he's 80 something years old. So yeah. it's just, I think for, for for him, and he was a minister, he wanted life lessons. So even though I Love Lucy was crazy, um, there was a lesson to learn in every episode and people like, what did you learn? I'm like, there was an episode where she like the lights went out, all this kind of stuff. What I learned. And my dad used to make us say, what did you learn from that? It's not just entertainment. It's something that you learn. I'm like, well, I learned that she better. I better learn how to balance my budget. You know, I'm going to be in the same situation she's in.
1: You know, I grew up around the same time you did. I was more of a Hogan's heroes guy back in the day. Yes. You remember that. All right. yes, absolutely. So here, here's one of the really cool things I found out about you in middle school. You found a library book. Uh, that introduced you to the trailblazing Olympian, Wilma Rudolph. What did that book mean to you and what did it ultimately push you to do?
2: Oh my gosh. You know what? It was like, you know, we had to go to the library and pick out a book and I always believe in destiny. So I was like, I'm trying to get in and get out because I don't want to be the last one checking my book out. So I walked on a, on a roll and the book failed. And I was like, "Ah, that's the one I got. I didn't even know what it was. I'm like, I'm taking it. I'm going to check out first. Mm -hmm. I guess that was my competitive nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, it happened to be the Wilma Rudolph story. And I read it and I was like blown away. Like I didn't know anything about track and field at that time because I didn't run. I didn't start running until uh, my sophomore year when I was 15. So I didn't know anything about track and field. You know, the Olympics was history something you read about, not something you actually competed in. And, but reading this book, I kept it. And I always tell people I did pay for it eventually, but I kept it and I I read it every year and it was like a motivation, you know, and the irony of it was that, you know, she had polio. She was the youngest of a whole bunch of kids, but, um, that she fought back, that she had this goal and this dream of hers that she wanted to do. And the irony for me was that when I was going through my illness, I, you know, look back on that book, read that book again and said, you know what, if Wilma could do it, so can I. And, you know, then meeting her and talking to her and she became, she and Wyoming Atayas became a a great inspiration to me to say, okay, get back out there from your illness was was Wilma. And then talking to Wyoming and knowing that she was the only one at that time to win back-to-backs. And I was like, Hey, I want to put my name in the record books next to yours. And so I went and pursued that goal. And so, you know, I, I love that I, I stand upon the shoulders of those pioneers who went before me. And what I took from that is that when you get the opportunity, you got to do everything that you can. You're only as good as your last performance. So I want my last performance to be great.
1: I want to fast forward really quickly. So in 1987, you obviously win two goals at the Pan American Games, and you're getting ready to go to the Seoul Olympics in 1988, and that's where you said the bottom fell out. So I want you to start this process to tell me exactly what you found out about yourself as you came back from
2: Seoul. I came back from Seoul, and I started losing weight. Um I started um I was always tired and even trying to jog, I was pulling my hamstrings jogging. There's a problem. Right. Um I never I don't know how low I got as far as weight because I stopped getting on the scale at a certain point. And the last two scales I got on, one said 79 pounds, one yeah. said 80. And my regular running weight was 120. Um my hair, I was never completely bald. Now I've cut this, but usually my hair was long and I was never completely bald, but I was bald in spots. My fingernails, unless I cut them myself, um, would just continue to grow. They were brittle. They were breaking. Constantly tired, fatigued, but yet I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia, had migraine headaches, my uh, heart palpitations, my resting heart rate was something crazy. And I had um, what looked like vitiligo on my face and my hands. And so I couldn't stand the way I looked. I was going to the doctors. The doctors were saying, oh, there's nothing wrong. Maybe you peaked too many times, you know, making me think that I was crazy. And it was, it was, it was disheartening because like I said, I depended on my body and my body was not responding. And they're telling me there's absolutely nothing wrong. Mm. And the godsend for me was walking into Um, I had to go to UCLA for some reason. And I walked into the athletic department and the physician who used to be um, over us when I competed there was there. And she's like, stop, stop, stop. You know, she wanted to catch up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go again. I don't want to see anybody. I want to talk to anyone because everybody asks me questions that I don't have answers to. She was the first person who told me about a thyroid. First person that said, I think you have a very serious problem. Mm. And she told me the test that she wanted me to have. And I was like, you gotta go with me. She said, no, you'll be fine. I had a, this was a Tuesday and I had another appointment with a doctor on Thursday. And she said, take this paper. If, If you don't get the results that you want, if they say that there's nothing wrong, I'll I'll send you to somebody, but you should be able to be diagnosed by just a regular physician. I said, okay. I went in and I played in myself, my head, okay, am I going to wait for this man to come in and tell me that there's nothing wrong and then whip out my paper? And that's what I said I was going to do. And then um, I was sitting on the table. He walked in and I just couldn't, I couldn't hold it anymore. And I was like, gave him my paper. And he's like, he didn't even open. He's like, I don't need your paper. I can tell you're a walking thyroid disorder. And then the tears just started falling because I was like, oh my gosh. Finally, finally, it's not me. Finally, there's something wrong, and somebody gave me an answer, and those sticky notes and my goals that I had, after three years now, I'm just going to brush them off, but I'm going to get back out there, and my goal of going back to the Olympic Games is alive again.
1: Wow. i got to tell you, it's the most amazing story. We're going to talk more about that when we come back with the great Gail Devers. You will not believe what you're going to hear And obviously, we know all the accomplishments that came after this, right after these messages.
0: Brought to you by the Ford Bronco Sport, built Ford tough. It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's crown jewel, the Kimberly Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe. Time with Boomer Esiason, brought to you by Geico. In
1: 1992, Gail Deaver's persistence and resilience found her at the starting lineup of the Olympic 100 meters final in Barcelona. 19 months earlier, as she's just said, she had been crawling on her hands and knees. Now, although I was in lane two and no one gave me a chance, I told myself I'm not afraid of anything or anybody. I won the race. I was an Olympic champion. Winning that first gold was indescribable. And Gail, you've described everything that you've been through. I just want to go back initially to your diagnosis of Graves disease and really all the things that you had to go to before you got to that starting line uh, lineup. And tell me about the treatment of Graves disease and how it almost cost
2: you your entire track career. Right. Um, Well, they treat, I went through radioactive iodine treatment where back then you drank the radiation and the doctor was like, it's not good. It it looks like water, has no taste, but it makes you sick as a dog. Please don't throw it up. We have to start this process over. And so I went through that every couple of weeks I was going in to be treated. I remember waking up this one morning and my feet had blisters and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Um, I went to a podiatrist, obviously, and filled out the paperwork, letting him know that I was being treated for my Graves' disease. And he said, you know, this has nothing to do with Graves' disease. What you have is a very severe case of athlete's foot. I was like, oh no, I am not <laughs> dirty, you know? And so uh, uh, he ends up popping the blood blisters. He's like, oh my gosh, it's full of blood. And I'm like, okay. And it gave me creams and said, use these creams and it's gonna get better. I go home. The creams are now not washing off. Everywhere that he popped turned into a blist, um, uh, uh, turned into a sore, turned into a scab. Now it's oozing with like a yellow fluid, a white pussy fluid, a brownish something, and it had a stench that you could smell from across the room. I mean, and so my feet were swelling to the point that I couldn't put on shoes anymore. So I was wearing like a men's 11, 12 slipper, and then my feet got too big for that. Um, I I couldn't walk anymore. I mean, it felt like, I always tell people the the feeling that I got was like, if you have something like an extremity, something falls asleep, like your hands or your legs, and you get that tingling sensation. I had that sensation all over. My brother took me into the doctor and they said, you're lucky because I had two more days before I should have come back on that Thursday. So this was again, a Tuesday. And um, they told me, had you waited till your next appointment we probably would have had to amputate. And to just to hear that as an athlete. And I, you know, I was already saying I'm going, I'm coming back, I'm getting there. And to know that I came back close to having it taken away from me, you know, after fighting for my life to get back to catch up to the old Gale Devers, because my life was track and field, yeah. was, was heartbreaking. And I said, I'm going to run till the wheels fall off and that's what I, that's probably why my career was 25 plus years, and I feel like I was the <laughs> grandmother of the sport. <laughs>
1: so. Yes, well, you know, rightfully so, and then that starting line, the line you get to the starting line in 1992, and you, you're there, and you're saying you're not afraid of anybody, you're gonna basically overcome all of this, and then to win the gold medal, and what was the closest finish ever, yes. you have this thing about you where you can lean with your left shoulder (laughs) and your head and you've done it twice. My my trip finished. Right. Amazing. I'm, I'm just thinking, did you know that you won the race at that point? Or were you still like unsure and you had to wait until you saw your name up there?
2: I had no clue, you know, and it was in a foreign country. So all I tell people, all I do is listen for my name, you know, right. and I remember they start from, you know, eighth place on up. So you're waiting and you just, it seemed like it took forever. You just want them to say something to take the tension off the moment. And I, I still remember in my head, when I think about it, uh, you know, they got up to second place and then they said, and champion, the Mundo of the USA Dives. and I was like, ah, you know, that was me. And it was like, you said, I was in lane two back then you had, you didn't have lane draws. If they thought you were in the heat of the moment, they gave you lanes four, five, and six. I was in lane two. So that tells you what they thought about me. And it's not about, I tell tell kids all the time, it's not about what people believe about you. It's what you believe about yourself, how hard you're willing to work. And throughout my comeback, I kept visualizing myself crossing that finish line. So when I crossed and still didn't know and then to hear in the times for like, <laughs> you know, I always tell people everybody else has a forehead. I have an eight head and I try to get it across <laughs> the finish line before yes. everybody else. And um, I remember taking my victory lap and the NBC reporter was running with me with that big camera. And he was like, slow down, savor <laughs> the moment. I said, you better keep up. You don't know what I've gone through, you know. I mean, this story is amazing and the comeback doesn't
1: end here. We'll be back in a moment for more with the great Gail Devers right after this.
2: Wow.
0: You're watching Game Time with Boomer Esiason, brought to you by GEICO.
1: All right, welcome back, everyone. Our special guest, Olympic sprinter and hurdler Gail Devers, has said, I remember running races, and it was hard to see. It was like running through clouds, and people were like, how are you running? I'm like, because I'm just running in rhythm. I'm not trying to look at what I'm doing. It wasn't until 30 years after her Graves disease was diagnosed that Devers discovered she also was afflicted with thyroid eye disease or TED. So what is it like living with Ted disease?
2: You know what, it's it's crazy because I say, I'm a sprinter, I'm supposed to get to the finish line first. And uh, in, in short, time and 30 years later, like you said, I was still having residual effects even when I was competing. Maybe being an athlete was a detriment to me because like I I told people, I can't see. I mean, it's really blurry, but hurdle is a rhythm. So I'm just running in rhythm to find out knowing that if you have Graves' disease, 50% of people who have Graves' disease are likely to develop this and i want everybody to pay attention to their eye health because nobody should have to go through what i've gone through you know now i have a you have to be treated by a separate um physician it's a a a ted specialist like an um oculoplastic surgeon or a neuro-ophthalmologist which i have and i always tell people you know what everybody has a team i had a team that helped me become successful when i competed and I still have this team that's helping me to do the things that I do. I have one life to live and I deserve the quality of life that I can have. I love challenges and life is about Mm -hmm. a challenge and it's two things you can do. You can either conquer it or be conquered. I choose to conquer. I set new goals right before the pandemic. I said, okay, somebody challenged me to run a half marathon, I'm like, 13.1 13.1 miles. You lost your mind. 105 <laughs> meters was distance to me. But uh, yeah. I, I did it. You know, I asked, I'll say at 53 because I was 53. I'm like, what's a good time? They're like, you know, 230, uh, like two hours on the road. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, I ended up running 153. So I'm like, okay, I, I, I can do that. Now yeah. I, I do my bike. I ride 18 miles. So I just want to be me. My god,
1: I'm worn out.
2: I have to tell you.
1: <laughs> you uh, Don't feel you bad. My so husband
2: much... says the same thing. <laughs> Good.
1: Well, you I'll tell you what, you bring a lot of energy and we're going to be back with a final dash to the tape with the great Gail Devers right after this. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> Drive into Manhattan for an unforgettable staycation at Midtown Manhattan's luxurious Kimberly Hotel. Treat yourself to New York City without the crowds, protected by our highest safety and hygiene protocols to keep your family safe. Game time with Boomer Esiason, brought to you by GEICO. All
1: right, welcome back, everybody. We're with the great Gail Devers, and I see you sitting in front of the Atlanta Falcons flag football uh, background for some reason. What is that all about?
2: (laughs) Why I'm sitting in front of this is because the Atlanta Falcons – They funded the first season of pilot program for uh, Gwinnett County, which is the largest county in in Georgia, and they see the opportunities. You know, there was a lack of sports for girls, and they wanted to, you know, equal – the playing fields for that and I watch not just my own child who now is offense defense and she's like I got this watch this watch this I'm like okay this is the girl who didn't know anything now she knows everything and she watches all the greats and that's how you know that goes back to that old school but um you know, the, the Falcons have have aligned with my mission that we want to make a difference. Right now, there's only 15 NAI schools that offer scholarships, and I want it to be more. I want it to be at every conference known to mankind. I'm, I am want to lend my name. You know, Nike has come in and stepped up. I want to lend my name, my, my voice. You see, I like to talk, to do whatever <laughs> we can to generate funds to make sure that these girls have opportunity. My goal this year on my sticky note was to be the best me and to make a difference in somebody else's lives, and, and that's what I want to do.
1: Well, you've certainly done that, Gail. And I can't thank you enough for joining us today. And to all of you out there for watching, I'm Boomer Esiason, and I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time with hockey superstar Connor McDavid. Lucy looks like no one can. She's my business,
2: and I'm her.